right. Um, my testimony of Jesus Christ and his faithfulness in my life. I grew up in a Catholic family, and I'm the baby of seven, four girls and three boys. My mom was hoping one of her girls um, would become a nun, but the Lord, like in Psalms 32, 8, the Lord um, says, I will guide you along the path, best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. I will say that even though I didn't agree with the ways of a Catholic church, I'm grateful for the faith that my parents had in raising us with Christian values. I was introduced to a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ when I was 16 at a young, at a young life camp. That is when I received Jesus as my Savior. With my young adult life ahead of me, there was um, a lot of feeding my flesh and not walking according to the Spirit. It wasn't until I started to purposefully read the Word of God that I realized that the things that I was doing were keeping me from having a relationship with God. The portion of Scripture in Galatians 5:16 through 26 and Colossians 3:1 through 17 was truly where the Lord woke me to the reality of how I was living. For I was living after the patterns of this world. I desperately cried out for change. As I was, as I continued to read the Bible, as when I truly met the Lord. Like in James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. By the leading of the Holy Spirit showing me in scripture that I could trade in the way I was living to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So I have faith in God, as in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who begun a good work in me um, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, um, he um, has put a new song in my mouth and a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. As in Psalms 43, he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. He truly is the God of my hope, the God of my joy, the God of my salvation. And in him I put my trust. I'm so thankful for the testimony of God's faithfulness in answering my prayer to find and belong to a church body where I can grow in the fruit of the spirit, of his spirit, and be used by God. I give all praise to our God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. All right, now we're going to be welcoming up uh, Pastor Larry. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary. What a beautiful testimony. What a, thank you, Mary, so much. What a blessing. What a blessing. Amen. We have a, we have a beautiful fellowship here, don't we, at Calvary Baptist? Amen. So much. And our testimonies like that, and uh, 
Last week I was so blessed. I was talking to my wife uh, after service to see all the fellowship that was going on when uh, uh, Patricia and uh, uh, Rob came forward for membership and rededication and just a beautiful fellowship after church and just the love of Christ here. Amen. Um, I want to pray for a couple needs. My wife is not feeling good this morning, so I'd like to pray for her. Um, and also, uh, let's see, uh, just a couple. Frank Frank had surgery, uh, knee surgery. And uh, let's pray also for uh, Betty and, and Joe Vargas uh, as well. Shall we do that? Let, let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father God, uh, Lord, we come to you right now, and you are uh, the, uh, the great physician, Lord. And we just pray you put your hand of healing um, God, we pray for my wife, Tess, right now. She's not feeling well. Please uh, let your Holy Spirit minister to her body and, and uh, just uh, bring her health uh, quickly. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Father, we also pray for Frank Hester, who has a, a surgery, uh, and he's recovering from surgery. Please uh, uh, minister, to, minister to him, Lord, where the surgery was, uh, and give him, uh, help him to, um, you know, have a, a good recovery and a good uh, rehabilitation on the surgery. And we also pray for Betty and for Joe, Lord, in their uh, 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 treatments. We just pray that you uh, uh, work through the medicines uh, they're given, and uh, we just pray your healing, your healing upon their bodies, Lord, uh, please, by your spirit. And we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for hearing us and answering our prayers. For it is thy will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, as we're walking through the Gospel of John, uh, we're in John chapter 3. Glenn told me I'm supposed to be in John chapter 2 today, but I must have skipped a few verses because we're in John chapter 3. So uh, if you want to get ready for that, I would like to begin by talking about a, the late uh, renowned author and lecturer who was handicapped Helen Keller. You remember Helen Keller? Helen Keller really uh, altered the way the world perceives what handicapped people can do. Uh, she was, uh, uh, in, at 19 months old, uh, 19 months as an infant, she was stricken with a disease that caused her to become totally blind and totally deaf. And uh, when she was six years old, her parents uh, out of, out in desperation, in a desperate effort, reached out to uh, the inventor Alexander Graham Bell and asked him for advice, and he gave them this advice to, 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 to try to bring a teacher from the Institute for the Blind from Boston, Massachusetts, to come. And that's exactly what they did. They, they contacted the Institute, and there was a 19-year-old girl, an orphan girl by the name of Ann Sullivan, that came to tutor and to teach Helen Keller. And that began a lifelong friendship, a close, close, lifelong friendship. They began working together. And if you think about it, I mean, how impossible it, might, it must have seemed for Anne to be able to teach Helen how to read because, in the, she, first of all, she couldn't see the letters because she was blind. And second of all, she couldn't even hear what the letters were supposed to sound like because she was deaf. So it seemed like an impossible task. But she did. And, and what she taught Helen and what Helen learned, what she understood and what she communicated to the world was amazing. She, she 
overcame, see, in an incredible way, overcame the, the, her disabilities with a tremendous accomplishment. And because of that, at a young age, she became a national, a national celebrity. Uh, this teacher-student relationship developed, uh, that developed was so inspiring that they made a movie out of it, a Hollywood movie. Anybody ever heard of it? It's called, it's called Miracle Worker. Have you seen that? That was made back in the 1960s. There is a, another story in the Bible about a teacher-student relationship that developed between a Jewish authority figure who was a teacher himself and Jesus Christ. This authority figure, Nicodemus, was a prominent teacher of Israel. And uh, he came to Jesus. He, was phys he could physically see, but spiritually he was blind. So he came to Jesus for instruction. And we're going to read right now. If you have a Bible, I think it's also going to be on our screens. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 16, as we learn about this dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus. John chapter 3, 1 to 16, if you're able and willing, if you'll stand with me, and we'll read this together. And it says, now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish, Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the miracle signs that you're doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can a man be born again when he's old, Nicodemus asked? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Unless a man is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are a teacher, said, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we've known. And we testify to what we've seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have 
eternal life. Amen. You may be seated. May God bless his word. Amen. As a highly esteemed teacher, Nicodemus knew what every good teacher knows, and that is you should never stop learning. Never stop learning. Continue to learn. Nicodemus had an inquiring mind. He had a thinking mind. He had a seeking mind. And he came to Jesus because he was attracted to his character, to his teaching, and to his miracles. He came to Jesus because he saw him as a miracle worker. And he came to Jesus to, to learn from him. And what would he learn? That's what we're going to look at this morning. He learned about entering the kingdom of God. He learned the lessons on entering God's kingdom. He was about to take a class. <laughs> and the class he would take would be from a person he called teacher. Nicodemus would learn things that would challenge his thinking about the kingdom of God. It, was op it, would, it would open his thinking about the grace of God, and it would, it would enlighten his thinking about the Son of God. He would learn about the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God, of moving from darkness to light, of changing from spiritual death to spiritual life. He would learn about the kingdom. There are two lessons, two main lessons that Jesus taught. Nicodemus, we're going to look at those right now. If you have an if you have a bullet if you have a uh, bulletin, it should be on an outline on the back of that bulletin if you'd like to follow. And the first lesson is this. Jesus taught Nicodemus to enter the kingdom of God. You enter through spiritual birth. Spiritual birth. This was new for Nicodemus. This was a whole new revelation for Nicodemus. He was a leader of the Jews and he came to Jesus. In verse 1 it says this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the ruling Jewish Council. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the supreme court of the Jews. Nicodemus was a ruler. He was a leader. He was a spiritual authority. And he came to Jesus to learn. Verse 1, verse 2. It says, He came, listen to this now, he came to Jesus at night. He came when it was dark because he wanted to avoid being seen. He wanted to avoid being seen associated with Jesus because he was a Pharisee. And you know, the Pharisees are the ones Jesus called hypocrites. So the Pharisees did not like Jesus. They were jealous of Jesus. They wanted to get rid of Jesus. So he didn't want to rest, risk his reputation with his people. And he came to Jesus at night and he called him rabbi. Rabbi, the word rabbi means teacher. And he called him and he says in verse 2, the, rest, the, the part of verse 2, rabbi, we know that you're a teacher and that you've come from God. No one who, can, who performs the miracle signs that you're doing we, no one, no one 
Let me back up. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with you. Not only did he recognize Jesus' miracles showed that he was, God was with him, but he recognized those miracles showed that God had sent him. What does he say? We know that you're from God. God has sent you. See, his eyes were beginning to open. He, was, he, had, a, he had a desire to know more about Jesus. And that's what you and I should pray. For those that we know that don't know Jesus, that God put in them a desire to know, a spiritual thirst to know, a, a hunger to seek him. You know, Jesus himself said this in John 6, no one can come unto me unless the Father draws them. We, we need to pray that God draws them to Jesus. Nicodemus was being drawn to Jesus. The Lord, God was working. He was working in him, and Nicodemus had a thirst. He had a desire to know, to know more about Jesus. He wanted to know, and Jesus knew Nicodemus' heart. He knew what was in his heart. He knew what was most important to him, so he got right to it. And he started to talk to him about the kingdom of God. And in verse 3, he says this. He says this in verse 3, I tell you the truth, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Yes, the first lesson is that you enter God's kingdom through spiritual birth. It is a birth that comes from above. Unless a man be born again. Another translation that can also be translated as born from above. Some of your Bibles might say that. Unless a man be born from above, born of God, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The word see there means to, to, to perceive, to know, to experience. In other words, to have your eyes open to it. To have your eyes open to the kingdom of God. See, you enter the kingdom of God while you're here on earth. You enter God's kingdom. When you, you enter God's kingdom, when you enter his kingdom, you're entering his domain. You're entering his rule. You're entering his re relationship with him. And you can only do that. You can only God, enter God's the kingdom. The kingdom of God is also called the kingdom of heaven. And you can only enter the kingdom of heaven while you're here on earth. Do you know that? You can't pray anyone into it after they die. You can only enter the kingdom of heaven while you're here on earth. And you enter into this kingdom... And you find this relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And you know his love. You have a taste of heaven above. Like the hymn says, a foretaste of glory divine. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 says, Now we know in part, but then we will know in full. See, when we step in now to the kingdom of God, we know God's love. We know God's peace. We know God's presence. We know God, his joy, his love, and his presence. Jesus said, you cannot enter unless you're born again, unless you're born from above. This stunned Nicodemus as he stared at Jesus because as a Pharisee, this was something new. 
They were always taught, we're God's people, we're children of Abraham. All we have to do is follow the rituals and to stay right with God and we enter in. No, 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 no. Jesus says that's not it. You cannot do it by works or by rituals. You must be born again. Nicodemus, as a teacher, as a teacher himself, knew what it was like to have students and the students, if they wouldn't fully understand, would ask questions. And so this was Nicodemus' turn to ask some questions. So Nicodemus asked the question in verse 4. He says this, How can a man be born again when he's old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Jesus saw Nicodemus was honest in his, requ in his request to know. He was searching. He was, he was sincere. And Jesus saw that. And Jesus saw that. So he, as a master teacher that he was, he, 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 met Jesus, he met Nicodemus where he was. He would spell it out for him. This is what it means. You know when Helen, when uh, Ann Sullivan began to teach Helen Keller how to, spell, how to read, she spelled it out for her, and she did it with water. Uh, she began with water. She, she had Helen pour, put out the palm of her hand, and she poured water upon her hand. And then when she poured that water with her finger, she wrote the word water. That was the first word that Helen learned, the word water. She, first she spilled it out, and then she spelled it out. <laughs> Amen. Jesus was spelling it out for Nicodemus. This is what it means to be born again. So then, to be born again is to give, be given birth by God's life-giving spirit. Jesus used the physical to teach the spiritual. He used the natural to teach the supernatural. Verse 6, verse 5 and 6. I tell you the truth, unless a man is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. See, God is spirit. We know that. John 4, 24 tells us God is spirit. Nicodemus, as a Pharisee, would know that because the Pharisees believed in the spiritual realm, the spiritual world. He knew that. To be born into God's family, to be born into God's family, his, the forever family of God is to be birthed by God's life giving spirit. Just like flesh gives birth to flesh, Nicodemus understood that. Spirit gives birth to spirit. There has to be a new birth. There has to be a transformation by the work of the Holy Spirit within one's heart. You see, naturally, our natural selves, we're sinners, and because we're sinners, we're dead. Spiritually, we're dead to God. Ephesians chapter 2 says it this way. It says, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But it says in verse 4 and 5 of Ephesians 2, it says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. You see, when you're born again, you become alive. You, you're, you're able to understand and feel and know and experience God. You're alive to God. You're new on the inside, just like a new baby. 
1 Corinthians 5, 17. If anybody is in Christ, if any man's in Christ, he's what? New creature. He's a new creature, a new creature. All the old is past. Behold, all things have become new. To be born again is to be made new. Is to be made new. And Nicodemus' eyes were beginning to open. He was beginning to understand. So Jesus took it a step further. Verse 8, he talks about the wind, and he explains it by using the wind. And he says this in verse 8. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The wind. The wind. Is it a mysterious birth to be born again? Yes. Why is it mysterious? Because it's invisible. Just like the wind. You see, you cannot see the wind. The human eye cannot see the wind. You can hear it. Jesus said you can hear the sound. You can see the effect, but you cannot see wind. Just like you can't see the air you're breathing right now. You know, a lot of people say, sometimes you hear people say, well, I'm not going to believe in what I can't see. I can't believe in what I can't see. And I don't see God. Huh? So I'm not going to believe. There was a debate that uh, occurred in 2007. Newsweek magazine covered it on their cover story called The God Debate. It was an informal debate between megachurch pastor Rick Warren and well-known atheist Sam Harris. And they met, they just met in Wick Warren's office. It was a four-hour chat, really. But Newsweek uh, wanted to put this on. So it occurred at the church, at Saddleback Community Church. And they debated about the existence of God. And there's an interesting exchange that happened in this debate about the topic of spirituality. And Sam Harris, the atheist, neuroscientist, by the way, as well, uh, talked about how he does not believe in God. He de- denies the existence of, his ex- existence of God. And then the moderator asked him, Sam, how would the ideal world work? In other words, to you, how, what would be the ideal world? And Sam said this. He says, you can have, he says this. He says, we have to change the rules to talk about God and spiritual experience. He says, you can have your spirituality and then Rick Warren kind of picked up on that word spirituality, and he asked, he asked him a question. He said this, Sam, do you believe human beings have a spirit? And Sam, Sam had to admit, he said, I, I don't know. And then Warren followed up with the next question, can you have spirituality without a spirit? Ah. You see, that's the whole point. There is an invisible part of man that gives us life. James chapter 2 says it this way. James chapter 2 and verse 26. The body without the spirit is dead. Just like the body without the spirit is dead. It's the invisible spirit of man that gives him life. Just like the invisible spirit of God gives us new life. God is spirit. You don't see him because he's invisible. He's spirit. Jesus was talking about the wind. And he was telling Nicodemus, 
about the Spirit of God. You enter the kingdom of God by spiritual birth. It's a birth from above. It's a birth by God's life-giving Spirit. Secondly, you enter God's kingdom through saving faith. Enter, you enter through saving faith. Nicodemus was open with Jesus. He was vulnerable with Jesus. He was willing to show there were things he did not know, and he asked Jesus for his help. Jesus acknowledged that. And, and Nicodemus was getting to know Jesus just by talking to him. He could sense his love, and he could, he could begin to grow. His faith was beginning to grow and understand him. His faith was like the man in Mark chapter 9 who had a boy with an evil spirit. And the boy with an evil spirit came to Jesus one day and he said, ask him if he would heal his son. And before Jesus healed him, he asked this man a question about his own faith. And the man said, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. John, that's Mark 9, 24. Jesus was helping Nicodemus overcome his unbelief. He was helping him become a believer. Nicodemus was learning what it meant to put faith in Jesus Christ. He was growing in his understanding of who Jesus was and what it meant to put faith in the Son of God and what that would bring him. You enter God's kingdom through saving faith, faith in Jesus Christ. It's a faith that brings understanding. A faith that brings understanding. After Jesus explained to Nicodemus all the things he just told him, Nicodemus asked him another question, verse 9. He asked him another question. He said, how can this be? Now, Jesus got a little bit, he kind of rebuked him a little bit on this one. <laughs> Next verse. Next verse, verse 10. Uh, Jesus says a gentle, re let's call this a gentle rebuke. You... Uh, Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things? Hmm. And Jesus pointed to the problem in verse 12. He pointed to the problem in verse 12. In verse 12, he said this, I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? See, the problem wasn't intellect. It was not his intelligence. Nicodemus was a very intelligent man. The problem was his faith. He did not believe. You know, the early church father, Augustine, talked about the rewards of believing. And in the believing, and the rewards of having faith. And he says it this way. Understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that you may believe. Seek to believe that you might understand. You see, there are things you are not, you, you not going to be able to understand until you believe. But once you, you believe, then you understand. Nicodemus didn't understand because he had not yet believed. He had not, not yet crossed over to that commitment to commit his life to Jesus Christ. But he would. He would. 
He was learning the lessons of entering God's kingdom, and he was learning it in stages. He was learning it in stages. The next time we see Nicodemus is in John chapter 7. John chapter 7, Nicodemus, it's, a, it's, a, it's a session of the Sanhedrin. They're having a session. They're having a council. And what are they talking about? They're talking about how to eliminate Jesus. And Nicodemus stands up. He stands up. He stands up for Jesus. He stands up because he knows he's the Messiah. He stands up for Jesus. He stands up to defend him. He stands up for Jesus. He stands up because in the name of justice. Let's take a look. John chapter 7. The council, the Sanhedrin, was rebuking the guards, the uh, temple guards, because the guards were told to go arrest Jesus, and they didn't do it. So they were questioning the guards, and we're in John chapter 7, verse uh, 40, uh, 48. I'm sorry, 45 and following. It says, finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees, that's the Sanhedrin, who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? <laughs> no one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. <laughs> they were kind of getting it. You mean he's deceived you also? Pharisees retorted. Has any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? In other words, has any of the Sanhedrin believed in him? That's when Nicodemus stood up. Now, admittedly, he stood up for Jesus. He kind of did it in a veiled type of way, but he did it anyway, but he did it. Let's look at verse 50. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? You see, Nicodemus wasn't ready. He held back from making a clear de declaration of faith. But this was a step forward. This was a step forward for Jesus. He was growing. He was developing. He was progressing in his faith. He was learning about the kingdom of God and growing in stages. That the, begin the beginning, the, the, the lesson of the kingdom begins with faith. Entering God's kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, you enter it through faith, through saving faith. It's a faith that brings understanding, and it's a faith in God's only Son, verse 13. Going back to John 3, verse 13. In verse 13, Jesus spoke of himself with authority as the only one who came from heaven. Let's take a look. John, John chapter 3, verse 13, he says this. He says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. He's the only one who has experienced heaven. He's the only one who knows the reality of heaven. He's the only one who is the door to heaven. Jesus came to bring God to man so man could be brought to God. Through faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ. God's only son. Jesus came. Jesus came. Verse 14. Jesus prophesied his own crucifixion. He says in verse 14 of John 3, Just as Moses lifted the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Talking about being lifted up on the cross. 
You see, in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, Moses led the Israelites through the wilderness, and they wandered in the desert for 40 years, and they rebelled against Moses. And God sent snakes to punish them. And those who were bitten by snakes died. And so they came to Moses and confessed their sin. And they asked Moses, please, please pray to God to remove these snakes. So Moses prayed to God. And here's what God told him. Moses, make a snake. Make it out of bronze and put it on a pole. And when anyone gets bit by a snake... If they look at that snake up on that pole, I will save them. They'll be healed. They will not die. And they didn't. In the same way, Jesus was lifted up so that whoever looks upon him in faith will be saved. They will not die. Will not perish. Jesus prophesies his own crucifixion. He will be lifted up. But those to look upon him in faith, you know, the word faith has been defined with an acronym, F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all, I take him. And Nicodemus did. He took Jesus. He took Jesus, and the proof of it all is when Jesus died upon the cross and his body was taken down from the cross. John, you might want to turn there with me, John chapter 19. Verses 39 to 40, Nicodemus proved to be a follower of Christ. When Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body, Nicodemus was right there with him. And it says in John 19, beginning with verse 39, this. It says, he accompanied, talking about Joseph of Arimathea, after Pilate gave permission for him to take Jesus' body, he, he was accompanied by who? Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, and seven, which were 75 pounds, and taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it. Did you know that? Nicodemus wrapped it. He wrapped Jesus' body, him and Joseph of Arimathea, with spices and strips of linen. And this was according to the Jewish burial custom. Nicodemus realized what he was risking by coming out and caring for Jesus. And this time it wasn't at night. Everybody could see it. He was showing he was a follower of Jesus Christ. And this is the same body of Jesus that rose again. That rose again to welcome all who would believe in him. Let's go back to John chapter 3 and verse 15. And 16 are very familiar passages, aren't they? And these were words spoken to Nicodemus. Verse 15, John 3. That everyone, the Son of Man, will be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world. We all know it, don't we? That he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. 
This is Jesus' great gospel promise. It's for whosoever will, whosoever crosses over the line to commit their life to Jesus Christ has eternal life. Whosoever will, whosoever will believe. You enter God's kingdom through saving faith. It's a love of God that sent Jesus to us, and it's saving faith in God's Son that saves us. You enter his kingdom through saving faith, faith that brings understanding, faith in God's only Son. What are the lessons of entering God's kingdom? First, you enter it through spiritual birth. It's a work of God, not a work of man. It's not by keeping rituals. It's not by trying to work your way into God's kingdom. It's by being born into his family by the work of his life-giving spirit. Second, you enter God's kingdom through saving faith. Like the Israelites who were saved from death by looking at the bronze servant, serpent on a pole we're, we are saved from perishing by committing our life to Christ. Ann Sullivan died in 1936. And that ended a 50-year friendship, companionship, lifelong uh, unity of, of, of teacher, student, friends with Helen Keller. Helen Keller wrote these words at her death, at, Ellen's, at, at Ann's death. She said this, she said, my teacher is so near to me that I scarcely think of myself apart from her. I feel that her being is inseparable from my own and that the footsteps of my life are in hers. All the best of me belongs to her. There's not a talent or an inspiration or a joy in me that has not been awakened by her loving touch. Don't you love that? Don't you love it? Shouldn't that be? Shouldn't that be how our thoughts are toward our friend Jesus Christ? Our Lord and our friend Jesus Christ. Have you found that relationship with God? Have you entered into his kingdom? Through the new birth? Have you crossed over the line to commit your life, your life to him? He wants you to. He wants you to. Dear Lord, Father, we thank you for the clear lesson of coming into your kingdom, of receiving eternal life through new birth in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you made it so clear. And Lord, it's just a matter of faith, putting our faith in you, Lord Jesus, committing our life to you. When we commit our life to you, you come into us. You make us part of your family. Lord, if there's any here that haven't yet made that commitment, let this be the morning, Lord, that they ask you in. They ask you to come in by your life-giving spirit and give them new birth. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that you rose again. Now we have the promise Whoever believes in you will not perish, but have everlasting life. In your name we pray.